So we got an extremely dubious plan this week where uh, anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a long time, it started out as like a travel podcast. Like while I was traveling around, I would just call home and uh, report on what was going on. And then with COVID, I was back home. So I just, you know, we just stayed there. So I was like, all right, let's pivot. Let's make it a TV podcast. We'll talk about old TV shows, which was a good move because that's a lot more accessible to people. We definitely have more listeners now. So now we're in a weird mix where I've started traveling again. So we're still doing the TV thing, but I'm traveling all over the place. So I've been in various weird Airbnbs in Japan and it all worked out pretty good. But now I'm in Seoul, South Korea, and I'm just in like a little dorm and it's, it's an okay place, but the walls are like tissue paper. Like I, I, every time someone clears their throat, I'm like, oh, that's the guy in the room next to me. So there's no way I could do a podcast in there. You know, it would, uh, it would just, it would be so uncouth because also we have a 13 hour time difference. So it's late at night here. So the good thing about Korea is they have excellent internet. So I'm just standing outside my Airbnb on a busy ass street in Seoul. And I was like, all right, let's just do a podcast now, <laughs> which is a bit weird, but it seems to be working okay. People won't arrest a, a weird white guy standing outside yapping his face off, will they? <laughs> no, in fact, two, uh, two foreigners just walked by me just now. This actually, this city, my first impressions, I've only been here a few days, it's quite different from Japan. It feels way more relaxed in the sense that it, uh, it feels like America. It feels like I'm in Philadelphia or something. It's just the way this city feels is like any big American city, where it doesn't have like that fastidious... Japanese-ness. Instead, it's like kind of grimy and there's like garbage everywhere. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like it's still clean. It's quite a clean city. But like compared to Japan, it just feels like a normal, a normal big city. I mean, like I'm standing across from a Burger King. There's literally like seven Starbuckses on this, on this stretch. It's, <laughs> it feels pretty, pretty normal in a lot of ways. So yeah, I mean, this is certainly a little weird, but it just, you know, I'm just outside talking on a phone, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, also I thought we should do something relatively short this week because this is such a strange, I mean, it seems to be working out, but just in case something goes terribly wrong. So uh, I came up with, it's kind of related because we've been watching cartoons lately. And also because I'm in Korea, I combine these things together in my brain where my first Korean friend ever was this girl named Sung Hee, who just went by Sunny in Canada because it was easier for people to say. But I met her in like 2005 when I was a barista. She moved to Vancouver to try to learn English. And she was excited when she heard I was from the East Coast because that's where Anne of Green Gables is from. And I was like, huh, I didn't realize there was such an Anne of Green Gables fandom in Korea, but there is, it's huge. They love, they love Anne of Green. It's the only reason they know Eastern Canada, which is where we're from. So uh, I looked into it. It's like, why is this? Why did this happen? And it turns out it's because there was a Japanese Anne of Green Gables cartoon that came out in 1979 and ran for 50 episodes and they uh, re-ran it throughout the years and one of the places that it played was here in Korea. And uh, yeah, Anna Green Gables has just been famous as crap ever since. So uh, obviously you're quite familiar with Anna Green Gables. Yeah, it's surprising that they'd pick up <laughs> Anna Green Gables, anyway. Yeah, 
I, I was surprised as well. And yeah, like I didn't really bother researching much about this because like, I don't know, there's just too much to say about Anne of Green Gables. The book came out in like 1908 or something. And I think they made the first movie in like, man, real early. I don't know, I don't even know, I don't have the dates, but there's been a million versions of Anne of Green Gables. Uh, I don't know, so I guess you got any Anne of Green Gables memories throughout the years? My first introduction to Anne of Green Gables was in grade five. That was one of the, after lunch, the, the teacher always read novels to us. And in grade five, it was Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually read the novel, but, uh, you know, I've obviously just kind of picked it up a lot throughout the years. And then recently, uh, there's Anne with an E, I guess, is what it's called now. They changed the title, but it was just called Anne. Uh, have you watched much of that? I think you were watching that, right? The new Anna Green Gables show? I was show? watching that, and that is an excellent... Usually, usually the Anna Green Gables movies just take the basic story, Orphan Girl. She goes to work on a farm in Prince Edward Island with a with a, an, an older brother and sister, spinster, bachelor type, and uh, they get to love her, you know, and all those things of, you know, just a, a girl that doesn't fit in, and she's very outspoken and anyway when Anne with an E came out they really did a psychological study into everybody like they took that story and they expanded it so much that uh, they did a beautiful job of it the girl they picked to play Anne is a perfect choice Amy something or other her name is but she's tall thin not really very attractive which is what <laughs> Anne in the book is a tall skinny right. girl Whereas in most of the movies, you're looking at this girl who is supposed to be, you know, homely, lanky, uh, just a whole lot of that is just her physical appearance, how she doesn't fit in. But most of the Anne of Green Gables shows that you watch, you're looking at these girls playing Anne of Green Gables, and they do a good job. But you're thinking, my God, that's not a homely girl. That's a kind of a cute girl. This girl, though. You know, her teeth were kind of not even, and she's got real thin, thin hair and these little skinny braids. She's a perfect choice. And then they do a whole lot of, it's not just the story. They check in a whole lot of these personalities. They really develop them. Like, so you see them on like four or five different levels as opposed to just one level of a kid's story. Excellent, excellent version. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Anne, at the very least, should have buck teeth, right? <laughs> like, that's like bare minimum. Well, in this one, she doesn't have buck teeth, but her teeth are very uneven. They must have put some fake teeth on this girl, uh, because I saw her later at a, an award show. And, uh, you know, she's not a bad-looking girl, but she's not a beauty. She's, a, she's the kind of kid that every one of us knew kids like that, who were just kind of, you know, homely. It's a weird industry with acting, right, where probably if she did have weird teeth, she wouldn't have had the confidence to get into acting. Like, you kind of have limited options. You sort of have to hire a beautiful person because every actor... I've heard that about Los Angeles, apparently, because everybody moves to L.A. to try to make it, and then nobody makes it. So apparently the homeless people in Los Angeles are, like, handsome as hell. They're just, like, beautiful. Because, you know, you still just have people that fall through the cracks just because they're pretty doesn't make them special out there. So I just always thought that was an interesting phenomenon. So the other thing with this cartoon that's kind of cool, it's this uh, whole series that ran for decades in Japan called like World Masterpiece Theater, where they just made cartoons of famous stuff. And this was like the fifth one. And again, kind of an off the wall choice. 
And it kind of ties into that cartoon we watched a couple episodes back about Yokohama um, from up on Poppy Hill, because that guy, Miyazaki, who was behind that movie, he was somehow related to this cartoon. You know, I think he did the character designs or something. It was way, obviously much earlier in his career because it was 1979. He was a young man, so he wasn't in charge yet. But he did, I think, do the visuals. And I think the way they, they show that Anne is uh, a bit odd looking in this one is that she has a real big forehead. So, I don't know, we'll see. Okay, well, she's a brainiac. So, hey, that fits. But it's kind of neat, too, because I was questioning with Poppy Hill. It's like, what an odd choice. Why did they pick this comic book from the 80s to make into a movie? But apparently that's always been this guy's, you know, modus operandi, because, like, why pick Anne of Green Gables in 1979? Why pick this Canadian book? Who knows? But they did. So, uh, so yeah, I just figured we could watch the first episode of that. It's just one episode of a cartoon. Won't take too long because, yeah, again, I'm standing on the street. My fingers are freezing off. This is quite weird. But <laughs> but as a test, I was like, yeah, I'll just stand on the street corner in freaking Seoul and watch a cartoon through the magic of the internet. It is weird, right? Like, it is the travel version of this podcast, the old version, and the new version of reviewing TV shows. It's like crash together where I'm just watching traffic go by and just all the locals. I think I'm near a university. I'm not actually quite sure yet. I don't quite know what the heck's going on in this town yet. <laughs> but and, you, and you think a hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago, when this book was written, the only way people could have accessed it is through the printed word on a page of paper. Yeah, now it's just like magic, the magic in the air. But all right, so yeah, let's throw this thing on and then we'll yammer about it after. See, I'd say that seemed pretty good. How did you like it? I thought they did a very good job of it. I liked the pace of it. It was very pastoral, quiet, calm. The narration of tying little things together was, was really good. Yeah, I feel like that does help explain maybe why why that was popular in Japan, because it really is different. I mean, it would be kind of like us watching a show about Japan, you know, like all the Western-style houses and, yeah, all the pastoral stuff. It really is... I mean, it's a different enough world even for us just because it's back in the past, but it's much different than, uh, you know, than life in Japan. Although it still has like those basic similarities of countryside life and stuff. I can definitely see why it was popular. And they had some nice animation, like when they went through the way of earthly delight or whatever she named it, (laughs) the avenue. And later they showed uh, the sun through the trees and it was like a, like a, like a fireball. It was like a, it was yellow, but it kept shining and then going out like as it, as the trees were going through, like well thought out. Yeah. And I was impressed also with uh, the pacing of it, like just, just her sitting and waiting. They really did show her sit and wait. And then uh, apparently I haven't read the book and I, I don't know how well you remember it, but apparently this is quite a faithful recreation. So that kind of explains why it's 50 episodes long also, because this whole episode was literally just, mostly just the ride back to Green Gables. Like, I, I got to imagine that was probably pretty much all the dialogue from the novel. Like, let's just do all of it. Like, normally these things are condensed and shortened, but that was a really long conversation, and they just did the whole thing. 
yeah. It's kind of neat. I, I would say they did. They were true to the book too. And then they, when they did the imagination scenes, showing that she's got this vivid imagination, like uh, when they just shot in little things like the tree at the orphanage, the one and only tree at the orphanage, and the lonely, sad building that is the orphanage. Uh, and they just showed a quick little image of what would have been in her mind, remembering those things. You know, well thought out, well, a good way of uh, presenting that. It's really interesting, too, to put your mind in 1979. I mean, obviously, Japan has always had a, uh, a great respect for animation, you know, like up to this day, it's still the primary, you know, we've kind of just moved on to 3D animation and stuff. Japan is kind of the only people left that still do proper cartoons. And this is such an interesting example because it's, I don't know much about this period. Like, I only started watching... I mean, I guess all those like dumb 80s cartoons like Transformers and stuff, they were tangentially from Japan, you know, partially from Japan. And then I didn't really get into Japanese cartoons till the 90s. So this one being in 79, it's so neat to do a masterpiece theater type show with that tone and with that, you know, like it, di it didn't at all feel like a cartoon, but it was a cartoon. And like as much as I talk up like, oh, I love Yuru Camp and all this stuff, this was did have that same vibe and this was like 40 some years ago you know like yeah really impressive on a lot of levels when i was a kid growing up we had we didn't have this stuff but we had classic comics and it were they were comic books that were converted into with comic type drawings uh, animated uh, drawings and they would take famous novels like uh, tale of two cities and any of those famous, famous novels, and they put them into classic comic form. This reminded me of that, but but of course in a moving in a moving picture form. But the the artistry and the the background scenes reminded me of classic comics. We used to use classic comics all the time when we were uh, had to write book reports. To hell with reading the books. You just couldn't get the <laughs> classic comic. Read the classic comic again and again and again, then wrote a book report. <laughs> Yeah, I was also impressed also just by the animation quality because, again, in my mind, I don't even know, what did we have? I mean, I know in the 60s for North America, there were those Mary Marvel Marching Society cartoons, but they were terrible looking. I'm not really sure what was going on in the 70s, but I know the 80s, I mean, again, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Gem and the Holograms, like, they were cutting corners anywhere they could cut corners. So yeah, this is just such a higher level of production especially like for a TV show. Like obviously we had Disney movies and things, but we didn't have anything on TV, anything like this, you know? So, I mean, yeah, this is a, it was a lot better than I expected, <laughs> frankly. This is actually pretty, pretty darn good. And that solves the mystery of why, uh, <laughs> why when uh, I met Sonny from Korea and, you know, we both worked at the same coffee shop in Vancouver, this explains why she perked up so much when she heard I was from Eastern Canada. <laughs> it's like, wow, you're from Anne of Green Gables? And I was like, well, not really, but sure, if that, if that helps for you. But yeah, Close that enough. always stuck in my mind. <laughs> yeah, and that's just been in my mind for the last 20 years. Like, huh, that's a thing that happened. That's an experience. And then, you know, I've met other people from South Korea since. And they, yeah, everybody knows Anne of Green Gables. So now I know why. Fill in that little gap in my life. It's only one thing I remember now, about, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago, I went with a friend of mine over to Charlottetown, and we saw a musical production of Anne of Green Gables. There were bus tours, 
of, and they were Oriental people who were at that show. Probably as many Oriental people visiting Prince Edward Island and, and going to the musical as there were of, of Native Canadians. Yeah, which I guess also, because I also just assumed it was only a Korea thing. So when I looked this up and realized it was a Japanese cartoon, I thought maybe it was a Korean cartoon. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, obviously Japan also, it's, it's not as evident, I guess, because there's so much animation in Japan. So I've, I've never heard a Japanese person really specifically, uh, you know, in love with Anna Green Gables, but apparently they also are. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense, I guess, that it's, it's interesting, too, because uh, one of the things in Japan I've always heard about is they, they do kind of idolize France. There's a lot of French restaurants and, uh, you know, the Tokyo Tower is based on the Eiffel Tower and stuff. But apparently there's this phenomenon where when Japanese people go to visit Paris, they're quite shocked by how gross it is, <laughs> you know, because Japan is so perfectly beautiful all the time. And then they get to the real world and they're like, oh, geez, there's garbage everywhere. This is this sucks. So I bet going to PEI is actually probably a pretty nice vacation because it kind of is like Anna Green Gables, you know? You probably wouldn't be too disappointed when you get there. It sort of is like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And you go on, well, until the bridge was built. I mean, you went on this lovely ferry trip across the Northumberland Strait, and then you landed on an island that was had those style of housing in it. Uh, a city, Charlottetown, it's the biggest city, not not overly large, very homey, and yeah, I, I can see that uh, them being very impressed by that sort of thing. Lots of trees, yeah, and I, red roads. And I guess I should explain too, it's not just, I mean, I think Canadians, we're pretty good about not littering and picking up after ourselves and stuff, but a lot of it is just that, uh, you know, there's not a lot of population in the eastern part of Canada. <laughs> so we have a pristine landscape by accident. It's not because we're so disciplined, it's just... You know, there's not enough people here to mess it up. But hey, whatever gets you there, you know. Cool. So anyway, this plan worked out okay. I mean, I've just been, yeah, just been standing on the street corner watching a cartoon and doing a podcast and nobody seems to care. So I guess uh, I'm going to be here for a little while. So I guess we'll keep this plan up. But yeah, I mean, this is a, a testament to the power of the Internet. Like I knew this about Korea because they're really into like e-gaming and stuff. Starcraft and everything was huge here. So, uh, like, at this place, it's, I don't know, like, 35 rooms and there's, like, one shower, you know? Like, that's not really where the, uh, that's not where the priority is. Meanwhile, there's so many internet connections. It's not like we're all sharing one internet. There's, like, 15 different internets you can connect to to make sure nobody is not getting very fast internet. Like, I just think that's funny that even at this you know, weird little cheap dorm I met. They're like, well, you need to have mega fast internet. It's Korea. We can't live without that. And it's so good that, yeah, I can go stand outside and it still works. It doesn't matter that you can't take a shower until 34 other people are done. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like military. It's like a military barracks. Like there are three showers technically, but it's like one shower unit with curtains between them. So I think that's like if you had to get up and go to work in the morning and you just really need to take a shower, technically three people could take a shower. 
but generally the way it's used here is it's just one person at a time because we don't want to be that close to each other you know so uh, since I don't get out of the house till the afternoon it's not a big problem I can just go in once everybody's gone for the day how are you finding the language is there is there quite a bit of English spoken there or yeah it's definitely easier than Japan like the the English level is still quite low but everyone is a lot more confident about it like I just feel like I can just go talk to somebody in English at the coffee shop and you know we have to do a little bit of pantomiming to make sure you know like just today uh, like asking for a coffee to go they had to clarify because they didn't know what to go meant and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say you know I don't know how to make that clearer for example but still much easier than Japan so because uh, it really does like that's what I had heard about South Korea is that they they're kind of into America. They kind of want to be like America a bit. And it does feel like that. Like this city has graffiti and cool people doing DJ sets. And, you know, it's just, it doesn't feel, if I didn't look too close, I would think I'm in Philadelphia right now. Like it just doesn't feel like, like Japan felt. So, you know, the nice thing though also is, uh, I don't know how long I'm gonna stay here, but apparently like we have a good relationship with Canada because I think Americans can only get a 90-day visa similar to Japan, but Canadians can get a 180-day visa. So I could dick around here till July if I wanted to. They're just like, come on in, Canada. <laughs> it's all good. I, I am surprised about that because the American influence after the Korean War was so strong in South Korea. I didn't, I mean, didn't think Canadians had that strong a connection, but I guess learn something new every day. I wonder if it's just like, Maybe when they're doing their bookkeeping, they're like, hey, have you noticed that we never have problems with this array of countries and one of them's Canada? Like, just let them stay. <laughs> they're not going to mess up anything. But yeah, they, they literally didn't even ask me any questions when I was coming through to get a visa. They just stamped my passport. Here you go. Leave by July. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> so it's like, it's interesting because like, I would have stayed in Japan if I could have. I definitely feel a kinship with Japan that I just have never been able to develop with Korea because I didn't grow up with Korean cartoons and Korean video games and stuff. But it's so relaxed. Like, that's the nice thing. I can just, you know, if I want to hang around, I can. If I want to leave, I can leave. Like, it's just nice to have no pressure. I can just stay here for way too long. <laughs> so, so I'll take it. Thank you, South Korea.